the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. Even Saturday Night Live couldn't resist the story of a genetics engineering company trying to de-extinct the dodo bird. Based on a specimen preserved in Denmark, it isn't the only dodo around. In this 2021 interview, Blue Water Vaccine's founder and CEO, Joe Hernandez, tells us about his early quest to develop a universal flu vaccine, bringing him face-to-face, so to speak, with the Oxford dodo. And of course, he funds decoding its DNA. Well, Joe, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for the invitation. Delighted to be here. Now, Blue Water is working uh, to develop a universal flu vaccine. What is a universal flu vaccine, and how is that different from today's annual flu shot? Well, today's annual flu shot involves uh, basically predicting what virus is going to be the predominant virus for that season, bringing that virus back from Asia, propagating that virus in predominantly eggs, and we actually manufacture the the uh, the vaccine, the antigens in eggs, and then we kill that um, the isolated um, uh, purified virus, and that becomes the annual vaccine. So that we do that every year. It's a process, quite labor intensive, and we have to do it every year. A universal influenza allows you to circumvent that and effectively do uh, one vaccination for a lifetime. So you would have coverage for all variants of the influenza virus moving forward. It's a real holy grail. Everybody's looking for it. We think so. Yeah, we think so. We think it, it's going to change the way we look at influenza and it's going to change humanity. And I think we will save lots of lives around the world. And we're excited about the project. So one day you were reading a paper in the prestigious scientific journal Nature by a mathematician at Oxford, Dr. Gupta, and you got very excited. What did you read? What did you do? Well, this paper was really fascinating. And I'm, I'm kind of a, a, a follower of... Um, viruses and infectivity um, thesis and theories around viruses. And well, the paper by Dr. Gupta was really controversial. It was really a mathematical model um, analyzing the diversity or the perceived diversity of influenza. And it was a, it was a mathematical analysis. Dr. Gupta is actually a mathematician. And she looked at the, the issue of uh, influenza diversity uh, as a mathematical question. So what the paper really concluded was that if in fact influenza was so diverse, why didn't we have a 1,000 copies or 10,000 or 100,000 different variants every year? In fact, we had one prominent virus um, as long as we had recorded the infections of influenza, and that was quite controversial. And uh, what was basically deduced from that paper was that, in fact, influenza was more conserved than we had originally uh, theorized. You use the word conserved, which is actually, it sounds English, but it's a scientific term. What do you mean that the viruses were conserved? Conserved is an evolutionary and genetic term that really defines uh, lack of variation throughout different generations. So as as years uh, and generations progress, there are certain elements and genes in humans and in plants and in viruses and in bacteria that don't change over time. And that is the definition of conserved from, a, from an evolutionary perspective. We believe that because of that conserved element that the influenza has, we can in fact develop a universal influenza that will, uh, excuse me, universal influenza vaccine that will address the viruses as, as it changes throughout the different cycles every year. 
I know you're working on the H1 virus, the H3 virus, and flu B. How are they different from each other? Well, they're they're um, they're close uh, relatives. I would I would call them as siblings. Uh, they're variations of the same influenza. They they pop up every so often in in very random fashion, uh, but they are the same family of viruses. Uh, so we, we we just termed them differently, but they're in fact all influenzas. Do they share the same conserved regions? They share very similar regions. In, in our uh, approach, what we do is we look at conserved regions across these different variants, and we make a vaccine against all of them. But in reality, um, these viruses um, are genetically um, different. They're, they're siblings, but different. So you went to Oxford, knocking on doors, saying, I really like this. <laughs> Blue Water really likes this. <laughs> what happened? Well, well, the story goes, I actually called the university and, and I said, listen, I read this paper. I'm intrigued by the science. I think there is some merit here. We, I, myself, would like to take this forward and form a company and I think we can build a universal flu that will transform the world. And, of course, the Oxford folks were, well, that's wonderful. Who are you? We'll call you later. Um, thank you for calling us. And I didn't hear back from them. And it wasn't until I called the scientists and said, by the way, I love your paper. I get it. Here's what it says. Uh, I really believe in the theory. Can you help? And that's really when we got motion on the on the licensing front. Now, I understand that Oxford just didn't license this to you for uh, uh, as a, a standard entrepreneurial proposition. Well, w- one of the interesting parts of this deal was that the inventor and, and the folks at Oxford were really concerned and they wanted to make sure that once this technology became available, that it was available to everybody in the world. And part of our agreement was that we would make this technology available to developing countries at uh, cost plus 10%, and, and we committed to that. So we're really committed to getting this thing, this vaccine, when it's ultimately developed to everybody in the world. There's a wonderful part to this story, a side story, that we have to talk about, and it has to do with the dodo bird. Now tell us, Joe, how you got seriously involved with the dodo bird which, by the way, everyone, has been extinct for several centuries. Well, what, one of the, the amazing um, opportunities and honors I have is to work with the scientists at Oxford who are really amazing people individually and scientifically. And it was during one of our dinners with a, a number of the faculty at Oxford that uh, one of the scientists walked in with a tie of a dodo bird. And, of course, we... Uh, transcended into a conversation about the dodo bird. He was impressed with my knowledge of the dodo bird, which is really limited. But nonetheless, we uh, we both realized that we had a love for this uh, extinct animal. And uh, we um, figured out that there was um, a way for us to collaborate in sequencing the genome of the dodo. Uh, it turns out that Oxford actually has one of the, the few remaining actual fossils of the dodo bird. And uh, so we, we decided to visit the bird in the morning. And, uh, and there we both agreed that we should do something to, to benefit the, um, the value of that um, species that is no longer with us. And so we decided to sequence the, 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 the genome of the dodo. What does the dodo bird look like? The dodo bird is a very um, uh, unattractive bird. Unfortunately, it's not a very beautiful bird. But it, so it looks a little like a duck, between a duck, a cross of a duck and a... Uh, and a big beal um, heron, if you would, and uh, so he's you know short to the ground and a little chubby, not utterly attractive, as I said, but really important from an evolutionary perspective. 
And how is that? Well, it, it's, it, it really is a lesson in why animals become extinct and why nature forces certain species to no longer be. And the dodo is a clear example of that. The dodo, uh, at one point in its life, was able to fly, and then it lost its ability to fly, became a bigger animal, and uh, was predating on um, an island, Mauritius. And then, uh, for whatever reason, nature turned its... Uh, rules on the dodo bird and the dodo became the the uh from predator to being the 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 uh the animal being predated upon and became extinct it became the prey correct yes it became the prey but you've been interested in the dodo bird for a long time absolutely i've i, I found a dodo bird um really uh fascinating and i and i have to say my fascination with the dodo bird really originated from a movie called Ice Age, which is really a kid's movie. Uh, and I watched that movie with my child and I uh, had to explain to him why the animal became extinct. Of course, I didn't, I had limited knowledge at that point. And that was really how I became utterly fascinated with this animal. And uh, here we are trying to figure out why genetically it, 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 uh, it did what it did. So you're at Oxford you're having dinner with scientists. You're trying to convince Oxford to license the technology so you can try to make this universal flu vaccine. And somehow the dodo bird comes up, and he has one. <laughs> and it was like, the next day, you're probably going to fly out and say, no, I'm not flying out. I'm going to go see the dodo bird. Tell us about that experience. Yes. That was, it was a fascinating. Uh, we were having dinner and, and uh, over a glass of wine. He proposed that I should visit the dodo early in the morning. And unfortunately, we had a very tight window at 7 o'clock before the actual museum opened. And I, I promised I'd be there. And sure enough, he shows up. He bikes his way to uh, the front door of the amazing uh, natural natural museum of, of uh, at Oxford University. And, I, and we walked in, and, and uh, I got to meet the, 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 the actual um, dodo. Not in, not in living form, of course, but the actual fossil of the dodo, which was a very humbling experience for me because this animal had been last alive in the 1600s. Now, was it in a drawer? Was it in a cage? It was in a specialized uh, location within the museum in a very, very well-protected case, uh, cared for by a very, very um, important person whose one of the primary roles is to watch over the dodo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could volunteer to be the next guy if he wants to go on vacation or something. I I've offered, I've offered. They, they have not taken me up on that offer yet. <laughs> That's right, but they know you're serious. Whenever you make an offer, I, it's a serious yes, offer. Yes. Well, uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you'll come back, keep us updated. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Delighted to be with you, and uh, look forward to uh, this exciting project. Joe Hernandez is the founder and CEO of Blue Water Vaccines. For more information about the Oxford Dodo, just Google Oxford Dodo. And for more information about Blue Water Vaccines, it's on the web at bluewatervaccines.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.